So just as I introduce you to the new podcast studio in Bali, here I am recording an episode back in the old one in Portugal, um, but that's just because I've had to come back to Portugal for a couple of weeks just to teach a, a week-long thing on acupuncture um, to an ongoing cohort and then also uh, to close up my life here. So this house is being packed down and moved away from, rented out, I suppose, um, and that's all good. I'm excited by the new start in Southeast Asia. Um, but I will miss this corner, actually. This corner, especially, I miss Portugal, I miss this house, but especially this corner because this became uh, the place where I did all of my work and any uh, sort of business I had to do with a laptop or whatever, any writing projects or study was in this corner. Also, when I was in Portugal, this ended up being my meditation corner as well when I was in the house. So I spent a lot of time here. It's funny, isn't it? Like you have, it's a fairly big house, actually, quite large, um, because it has a training school in it as well. But uh, out of all that space, the thing you miss is just one little corner, you know. But I think managed to recreate this vibe and improve upon it a little bit in Bali. Uh, so, you know, onwards and upwards. But while I was here, I thought I just wanted to talk to you. Um, I, thought, I thought I'd record something while I'm here in Portugal, even though it's in the old studio. Keep the momentum going on, on the podcast recordings. And also I had a bit of time. And I, I think that over the years on this YouTube channel and on social media and with everything I do, what I like to do is just share my thoughts, really. It's funny that, uh, you know, when you get criticism online, which is, is normal, it's all part of the course, I think um, everybody has an uh, opinion, including myself. It's funny that um, people often try to work out your motives for doing things. So they say it's marketing, it's for business, it's because he wants a following, it's because he's a narcissist or <laughs> all of these different things. Actually, one of the main reasons is just because it's fun, actually. I, quite, I enjoy sharing. I enjoy talking to people. Um, and, you know, I enjoy talking to people in person. I'm very sociable like that. But I also, if no one's around, I, I like talking to a camera. And especially after I've done my practice or I've done some training, uh, like today, um, after my practice, I think even if you're, say you're practicing meditation, even though you're not sitting there in contemplation, you're working on something else, you're working on absorption, what happens is despite sat there not thinking, if you want, or not trying to think, or not engaging with your mind, when you finish your meditation, um, you do, I often just sit down, have a cup of tea afterwards. I think thoughts all of a sudden come with a lot of clarity, or I don't know, something arises within you. It's like the opposite of the stillness. And it's not like your mind goes mad, but you do start considering or thinking about things. And I, I find the greatest sense of clarity by my own degree, <laughs> what I can manage comes after I've done these uh, meditation sessions. So that's why I try to record these things after I've been sat and I like to share. That's the main reason I do these videos. So I've been sort of um, thinking about this for a long time and it's something I want to speak about and that's really the sort of nature of being a, a male within these arts, <laughs> really. Now, I know that that's a topic that has become quite popular within social media. Um, I think in, within the sort of general global consciousness as well, very much in the Western world. I don't know about other parts of the planet, but very much in the Western world and on social media. 
lots of podcasts talking about it, lots of people talking about it, and there's whole scenes popping up that I've really kind of been learning about. And I learned a little bit about them by just seeing some stuff on YouTube, and then also from talking to younger, largely male um, students who are training within the school who tell me about these different scenes. And it's quite, <laughs> it's quite funny that, that I, I understand, like there is a, a desire to understand what it means to be male or how to be male. But it's never something I thought I'd be talking about. Not really. <laughs> it's not a topic that I thought was sort of within my realm or within my field because I see myself as a martial arts or Qigong teacher. But I, I guess the obvious thing is actually, I, this is my field. I am training something that is supposed to help people develop mentally, aren't I? So I, I guess I always took as a given that personal development or personal growth would take place within these arts through people's training. Um, but I think actually it's more complicated than that, but that's not necessarily the case. I think there is a crying out right now, especially among younger people, to try to find some kind of direction. There's various reasons for that. I think partially because we're bombarded with so many paths, so many options because of the massive deluge of information that we're facing, um, that I think it can be confusing. And I think also... I think there's an openness. People are talking more about their insecurities and the fears and worries that they have. More, um, If they're not talking about it more, they're at least sharing it more because of social media, really, isn't it? And then I think on top of that as well, there is a feeling, whether accurate or not, <clears throat> I don't want to get into that, but there is a sense or a feeling amongst many young males that there is an attack on them or an attempt to destroy masculinity or whatever. Now, whether you think that's real or not, it's irrelevant because it is, is the feeling of many young males. And if it is the feeling of many young males, whether it's true or not, that is something that is playing upon their, their minds. And I think that it's been a, you know, I don't think that's anything new. That's nothing new to our society or our era or our time, is it, for young males to feel lost or, or whatever. I think that it's historically been the same. I think that's why you always had sort of coming of age um, rituals and ceremonies and this idea of the male in the tribe earning his place in it and all these kind of things that I'm sure you're all well versed in. So it's nothing new. But I want to talk about it because I want to talk about it from a martial arts perspective more than anything else, I guess. And partially because it's what I do. Um, it's a part of the, the training in martial arts. This is inherent within, within these arts. And partially because I don't agree with some of the viewpoints that are out there right now. I think what happens is if there is a, a chasm within society, within culture, within any kind of stream of thought or consciousness, then something will fill that void. Okay, So what will fill that void is some kind of character who turns up who is very extreme over towards one view. That's really where the extremism comes from, as a backlash to something else. So because there is a sense amongst many young males that there is an attack on masculinity or a loss of direction or a loss of traditional values, then what will happen is the extreme will come back and now these characters start to become popular that have the opposite views or bring very traditional or very extreme views. Now, I, I'm in a place where I can see some of that happening and... I think that there are strengths in some of the views, in some of what they're saying, but and I also think they take it too far. And I think there's unhealthy concepts within there as well. 
unhealthy ideas have been propagated by social media for young males too. I think those unhealthy ideas exist on the very passive, liberal side of things, but I think they also exist, these negative ideas on the very traditional or conservative or masculine side of things as well, because I'm not a fan of extremes in general. The reason I want to talk about males, and I'm aware it's going to be a slightly lengthy talk, so I apologize for this, is because I am male, so I understand a little bit more about the masculine path. I don't really, I have my opinion on what is good for women, but I'm not a woman, so it's not, it's not so, I can't talk from direct experience of being that person. I can't empathize on that level. Everything I would have is an opinion from the outside. So as a little background, I think that obviously the characters I'm talking about that are popping up in social media, you're going to people like Jordan Peterson, which I'm sure many of you will be aware of, who is a Canadian psychologist who got himself in hot water over the pronouns debate, but then semi-political, isn't he? But then I think, well, I guess he's political now. There's a politics tied into what he's doing. But a lot of what he's talking about has been about how to be a sort of um, a grown male or a responsible male, um, which has appealed to a lot of people, but also annoyed a lot of people as well. Now, when I watch someone like him, I think he's quite traditional in his views. And I think that a lot of them are just really sensible. Personally, I'm going to get that straight out in the open straight away. But I also think they're really obvious. I don't think they're particularly intricate or clever things. I think it's a sign of the times that for somebody to come along and state something really obvious that is good guidance for people that is seen as almost revolutionary um, is a kind of sign of where we are. But I do understand why he annoys people as, as well. I get it. But for the record, I think he's a very intelligent, very smart man who sometimes <laughs> goes a little bit too far. Um, especially with his attacks on certain groups that I think have been a little bit reactive, a little bit emotionally reactive for him. But in general, I think most of what he says is is, is correct. I, I agree with him. I also think that you get characters like Andrew Tate, obviously, who's become very well known, who's currently just been arrested, and who knows what will come out of that. And he's obviously a very controversial character that many people don't like, many people do like. As with many kind of characters out in the public arena, I do think the image of him is twisted quite a lot by mainstream media. So I'm quite surprised when I see the vitriol from people about what he's saying, how a lot of the time they're not actually repeating what he says, they're repeating what the media has said about him. And I think that is a problem these days, that a lot of people will have a tendency to take what the media says or take what the collective view about somebody is without doing their own research. So I think with someone like Andrew Tate, from what I've seen, some of his guidance for young males is very good, actually, but I think his <laughs> some of his views towards women are a little bit problematic. But I do also think he's deliberately quite inflammatory, so that's a part of what he does. He's like a provocateur, right? So I think a part of his problem is the way that he delivers the message, and maybe he needs a little bit more skill with how he linguistically gets something across, you know, so whatever with regards to him, whether you love him or hate him, he's, he's a big influence right now. Then you've got things like, I've seen some crazy stuff. I might get the name wrong for this. I'm too old, you know, I'm 42, so I'm, I'm, I don't understand all this, but is it called red pilling or something? 
maybe younger males here would know, which as far as I understand, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but you fellow older people <laughs> don't have any idea what that is. I've had to learn. I think it's like a, a movement, again, towards traditional values, which is trying to tell males how to um, be attractive to women and be successful in life and have confidence, all those kind of things. But then a lot of the ones that I saw took it too far again, in my opinion, and it kind of went into misogyny, with the ultimate being my pet hate, actually. I don't normally say negative things about people if I can avoid it, but my pet hate would be something called the Fresh and Fit podcast, which is, oh, uh, it's just so cringeworthy. It's these two completely dislikable characters, one very unintelligent and, and one who's just very caught up in himself, sat there talking about how to be a male but it's done in a very snidey sort of, it's not good, you know. If, if you see some of it, you'll see what I mean. Now, the problem is that even amongst all of their misogynistic crap, uninformed, immature rubbish, there are still some truths in there. There are some things that are good advice. And this, this as much as anything, becomes a part of the problem with modern culture and ideas like this masculinity or how to be a male is that everything gets put into one of the two camps, because that's what we like to do, all good or all bad, you know? So I can see on my social media, for example, I've shared things by someone like Jordan Peterson, and I've received rage from people saying, how can you support this terrible man? I had people leave my school over a post that was shared. It wasn't even shared by me, it was shared by one of the students. <laughs> so it's not my fault, but somebody shared it, and then other people left the school because they saw us as supporting anti-trans movements or something, I don't really know. But at the same time, I've also shared things which I thought were quite funny, which was actually gently, because I'm not cruel, mocking Jordan Peterson, um, because I thought it was funny. The same with Andrew Tate. I've shared a couple of things that I thought from Andrew Tate were actually hilarious. He appeals to my slightly um, obnoxious sense of humour, I suppose. So I shared a couple of things. And again, received a lot of hate and a lot of vitriol. People just furious, this terrible person. But at the same time, I also shared some very negative things about him. For example, I thought it was hilarious when Greta Thunberg, um, the, the climate activist, made him look fairly foolish, fairly easily on social media. And I thought that was kind of funny. But neither of those things, the positive or the negatives, about those people means that I am fully in support or against. I just think that they are people, like everybody else, who are trying to get through their life and sharing ideas and discussing things. And sometimes they say things you agree with and sometimes they say things you don't agree with. And I think it's very important for us to have nuance when we look at these kind of characters and these kind of people because otherwise you become one of two things, shifting to very <laughs> millennial terminology, I guess, terminology that you know feels a bit stupid for me to say. But in these two words, you've got haters or followers, haven't you? Which, again, I'm too old to say the word haters. It sounds stupid, but haters or followers. So I think a hater, what they're referring to is someone who obviously is very negative online about everything, but I think quite often what a hater is is someone who hears something that they hear from somebody they don't like. It could be towards me. Maybe I say something they don't like, which I'm not surprised. I say lots of stupid things, so I'm bound to upset somebody at some stage. <laughs> I'm surprised I don't upset more. So you say something stupid or something they don't like, and then automatically they then hate everything you do. That to me is what a hater is, and they start bombarding everything you do. This is a terrible person. This is a terrible person. Because a hater can't see nuance, can't understand that there are good and bad things within everybody. There are correct ideas and incorrect ideas and also ideas in flux and people are changing. So 
a lot of, especially with social media, because it's such an instant medium, like what you say can instantly be put out there. You don't really have time to analyze it or think about it. You're just sharing your views sometimes. So things are going to be in flux and things are going to be changing. And, and people get caught in that hater category, can't see that. So they tend to pigeonhole people straight away as, as bad, you know. And then you get followers. I think they're equally as problematic. So a follower is someone that no matter what that person says, they follow, they agree. Like that becomes my direction. So maybe, let's use myself as an example, maybe I say something that resonates with people and they think, wow, that's really good. Now, that sometimes happens. <laughs> Not very often, but sometimes it happens. And people are like, wow, okay, that makes sense. So then they start following what I do. And then maybe I'll say something stupid. And I could make a whole clip of all the stupid things I've said Tons of them, you know, but I say something stupid. And then people will go, wow, that's, and they'll take on this idea that really it was actually a bit dumb because they become a follower. So what they should do is take that idea and go, well, okay, logically, this person has said some things that are very clever or inspired me or I think are right in the past, but then they say this thing, let me consider it. So because they're not someone who says stupid things all the time, I will think about what they're saying, come to my own conclusions, but actually, no, I don't agree. You know, that's a more healthy thing for someone to do. But then when you do disagree, you don't have to turn into a hater. You just retain your idea of nuance and understanding that people are complicated and that ideas are multifaceted. And most people don't fit. There's probably some, isn't there? But most people don't fit into that fully get back good or fully bad camp. There is a, a spectrum that we're all just trying to muddle through and figure out. I think this applies to these kinds of characters like Jordan Peterson or Andrew Tate or Fresh and Feared or countless others. There's tons of them now, isn't there, popping up. Joe Rogan, I suppose, in some ways is, is in this scene of trying to tell young males how to be. And I think men should be careful, especially young males, because they're quite easily... If, some, if a young male looks up to someone, they'll often try to emulate. I don't know if you've noticed that. So I think like if you watch very young people, very, very young kids, they'll often emulate famous people. They'll emulate, emulate pop stars, take on the way they dress and the way they speak and things like this. And hopefully we grow out of that. Emulating a pop star is okay when you're a tiny little kid, but becomes a bit stranger and a bit older. But then you're still kind of forming, you know, especially during your 20s and things like that. You're still forming your views. And I think that during your 20s, it's all too easy to emulate somebody and try to become them and try to absorb all of their ideas and that becomes a little bit problematic. It's as, it's as problematic as becoming a hater and just rebelling to everything. You need to find yourself and you need to find your own ideas. So I can see that with, you know, I've taught people and <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, I've had younger people that I guess I've inspired, young males that are, that are inspired by what I do or what I say. And if you want someone who doesn't like me, that will sound odd, but sometimes I've had that effect on people. So the next thing I do, I look around and I notice they've adopted my behaviors and they've adopted my dress sense. Some of them even copied my tattoos and shaved their head shortly afterwards and, and become like a little mini me. And when I see that, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit concerned. It's like, you don't know, don't, don't be me. Definitely not. Like, that's not who you should be. I didn't emulate anyone. I just found out who I was on some level, which is a process that's ongoing. And I think that um, young people should do the same, you know. So be careful. If you find yourself just adopting every idea and repeating the same phrases and uh, as somebody else, be a little bit careful because you've kind of lost sense of that nuance just as much as if you find you're automatically bitterly 
typing rage on the internet about someone. Both of these are not nuanced paths. So I guess that whole <laughs> section there is just a, a lengthy disclaimer, really, about that I want to make clear before somebody starts listening to anything that I say, for example, because I would ask that if I start talking about ideas like this, which aren't technical, they're about your life, but if I start sharing these kind of ideas, you must keep nuance in mind. It's very, very important. So those two different types of information, sorry, it's going to be a long video, I apologize. Number one, technical information. With regards to technical information, you know, how to stand, how to blah, 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 an exercise, you, you're basically trusting someone on their experience and their skill set and whether they can actually get results from it and where they pass it on, you know, those kind of things or whatever. There's other ideas. But so if I'm telling someone how to do an exercise, how to do Tai Chi or whatever, okay, that's a different thing. It's almost depersonalized to a certain extent. But once someone starts talking about life advice, how to be, how to live, how to improve yourself, it's a little different. It's almost a little bit more dangerous because now somebody is telling you something that is very personal and could affect the entire of how you see life and how you live and your whole perspective, which I think is kind of major. So I think with that kind of information, that's where you must remain nuanced. Okay, You don't, don't want to fall into one of those extremist categories. It's an idea that you take on, you absorb, and you listen to, but you don't take it as gospel. If you're in a martial arts class and I tell you to lower your shoulder and add through a bunch, do what I say, especially in the class. After the class, you can leave and go, no, I don't want to do that again. But in the class, you follow it with no nuance because it's just an instruction. But for personal information, personal life advice, retain this idea of nuance. Otherwise, the next thing you know, you get drawn into these kind of ideas um, and you've kind of lost yourself. And, and that's a shame because ultimately you were trying to find yourself, right? I mean, you've just gone from losing yourself to another form of losing yourself into somebody else's ideas. And this is what's happening too often on social media. And then once people are absorbed into these ideas, then you kind of, you become a little bit of a sort of parrot, don't you, for what they're saying. And oh, yeah, it's just not good. It's not good for anybody. I try not to usually give life advice in this way for this reason, because I'm aware how impressionable people can be. I generally try to talk about technical things or training, but no, I think with this disclaimer, I think I should be all right, hopefully. <laughs> Plus you can choose to ignore me. So I wanna talk about um, what I think some of the problems males have with regards to their identity and who they are in, in modern society. But it's easy because I, I can talk about it from my perspective. So therefore, some of these ideas won't resonate with you, but I'm simply gonna talk about what I needed. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you all men need to do this and all men need to do that. And if men don't do this, there's something wrong with it. Men don't do that, they're a pussy or whatever, whatever language people use. I'm simply gonna talk about what I needed to do because I have that direct experience of being me, and some of these ideas may resonate with you, and some of them may not. And if they don't resonate with you, then fine, you're a different person, but some people maybe will share character traits with me, so it'll make sense. So when I was young, you know, I can say that now, because I think I'm old enough, when I was, <laughs> when I was really young, when I was a kid, I had uh, a great sense of insecurity and fear that I think I see in a lot of people and I certainly see in a lot of males and as for women I don't know I think it's a different set of fears um, but I'm just going to focus on males so essentially the fear that I see in a lot of males was the same as I had was that I wasn't as good as other males 
That's really what it came down to, especially school age. Not really young, because I don't think you notice those things. It's the first time testosterone starts to come out, isn't it? And there's interactions and things like that. And puberty, everything starts to change a little bit. And I, I became very acutely aware of my size compared to a lot of other males, because I grew slower than other males that were my age. For certainly, I was a, I guess you call it a late bloomer, um, if I've bloomed. Don't think I've bloomed. <laughs> it's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. I grew slower than them. Everybody was a lot bigger. There was a lot of males around me that had a lot more confidence. A lot of males that were a lot more successful at the things that I viewed as success at the time. And I think that this idea of comparisons and self-comparisons is unavoidable, especially during formative years, although a lot of people get stuck in it. And what it does is it highlights to you how you feel about yourself. It's like, oh my God, now I can see this other person, I understand what I'm not. And that idea becomes the root for a lot of our issues. So bigger males made me realize how small I was. Stronger males made me realize how weak I was. Uh, males that were more attractive to the opposite sex made me realize how unattractive I felt to the opposite sex. And all of these different things, you know. Even um, I came from a very, well, poor is the word, background financially. So even the, the more money and things that other people had, the more acquisitions or wealth other people had than me, made me feel very insecure about that too. So essentially there was a stage in my life where I felt um, physically small, kind of weak, poor, <laughs> lacking confidence and unattractive to the opposite sex. And that was, that was basically the, the sort of the thing that I was wrapped up in. That, that was how I viewed myself. Now I think if lots of younger males are honest, I think that they can resonate maybe with not all of those ideas, but at least some of them. But uh, as is usual when I was, I think for a lot of people, when I was that age, I kind of masked it from myself because I didn't want to admit those things. Part of me knew it, my subconscious knew it, but I didn't want to admit those things because those are really hard things to admit to yourself, especially during your very egotistical, younger, uh, testosterone-fueled years. So consequently, I would mask it at other things. So it would turn into anger towards those kind of people. So those kind of people, bigger guys or stronger guys or more popular guys or richer people became the enemy. So I hated the wealthy. I didn't like um, you know, people that were popular or whatever. And I gradually turned into this little sort of, I guess you would call emo or gothic <laughs> kind of character when I was younger. I also developed a hatred of the rich um, because I felt very disempowered by society. I hated society and authority as well. So really this kind of feeling of inadequacy created a kind of aversion to everything around me. Now, I think I was quite extreme in that, and that's partially because, from Chinese medicine perspective, I think I'm very livery, so it generated a lot of anger. So I would then overcompensate. So I, I think that a lot of people have either self-loathing or outer-loathing, and I think my self-loathing turned into rage towards other people, so I became very destructive and very negative and very vitriolic and very unpleasant, um, something that became a, a little bit of a, a problem for me, even legally and things like this at a certain stage in my life. But all of it was just a mask, the inadequacy that I felt. So those feelings and those ideas were a large part of who I was, and this was what held me back for a really long time. Now, I, I tried to run away from it into different things to escape from it. So I 
especially with regards to the internal arts or martial arts. These were two things that were very interesting to me because for martial arts, what I wanted to do was make myself well, essentially better at hurting people, <laughs> which was my nasty side that came from that insecurity. But then I think um, the internal arts as well, meditation and spiritual arts became almost a form of escapism as well, because I got very attached to these ideas of the material world is just false, um, it doesn't matter, you know, your appearance is shallow, your physicality is shallow, other people are shallow, developed a kind of spiritual superiority complex, I suppose, as I tried to escape these things into this idea of leaving samsara and all this. And I see these same patterns. So the reason I'm talking about myself is so that, well, partially because it's easier for me because I went through it, but also because I think that I do see, if not all, but some of these qualities in many people, certainly in people that I'm teaching, younger males and people that I know, but I think in society in general as well. You know, I think that's where a lot of the sort of angry bitterness comes from in a lot of males. And I also think it's where the extreme escapism comes from in most males as well, because in, in what I teach, the escapism people want is they want to go deep into meditation. Next thing they do, they want to be a Taoist monk and they want to be a renunciate and I've got to be a Shaolin and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's, it's their escapism. They're not trying to change who they are by facing their problems. They're simply trying to kind of step away from them and not have to face them by following this other path. And it doesn't work. And I think that if you're not involved in the spiritual scene, it still happens, but it happens through things like video games and anime and whatever other shit people are into, superhero films or whatever, that young males throw themselves into these things. I mean, video games are a massive form of escapism um, that I think are very detrimental for a lot of people. And I think that even if you take some of the other ideas, incels, if you don't know what those are, those are a kind of movement online, as far as I understand, it means involuntary celibate. I know that's true. Involuntarily celibate. It's like a sort of bitter movement of males that blame women and the women's, what do you call it? Their words, not mine. Their perceived entitlement of women, I suppose, would be the word that is to blame for them not being able to attract women or attract the mate they want or even to do very well in life. And it makes them quite angry. So sometimes it can turn into quite extremist views or misogynistic views. And I think that's a kind of outlet of anger in some ways as well. And I think a lot of males are caught up in all of this, this kind of stuff, all from the same place. This is where I think traditional values can be useful, or they were for me. So I'll tell you what I did. Okay. Now at this stage, I know it's going to be a lengthy talk. If this doesn't resonate with you at all, just stop watching it. Honestly, turn it off. Go listen to something else. There's probably some good episodes of another podcast somewhere else. I don't need to sit here raging and be angry or thinking this is irrelevant. Like, just don't watch it. Turn it off. It's okay. This is, if you feel like this resonates with you at all, then this is for you. If it's not, then it's, it's not. Don't worry. There's, YouTube's got so much other stuff you can listen to. So traditional values to me, First of all, need to start with, well, okay, for me, I had to be quite brutal with myself. And I did, I was. I sat down one day. I remember the day, I do remember it. I remember the day where I'd been out and I'd, I think I'd been abusive to somebody. 
there'd been fighting, there'd been violence. I think I'd been verbally abusive. Maybe it wasn't physical that day. And I think someone had got the better of me verbally and I felt very bad about that. Someone had made me look stupid. And maybe I'd been not so good to girls I was dating at the time or something because I wasn't always the most respectful to women and, and all of these kind of things. And I remember sitting down on, um, it was on a green, a big uh, outdoor sort of park area in the town they lived in. And I just realized I couldn't stand myself. <laughs> I just couldn't stand myself. And I, I finally turned around on that day. All of the things I'd done, the vitriol, the anger, the tough exterior, the, the loathing I had towards everything, all the goth, emo, blah, nonsense in me, turned it around and just realized that I was just really frightened of everything. And I just felt really inadequate. But I had the strength in me to look at myself and go, and recognize that part of the reason that I felt inadequate was that I was inadequate. That was it. I was inadequate. It didn't matter how many times people told me, you're okay the way you are, you're perfect the way you are, everything is good. Like, and I grew up around a very alternative spiritual town, not too far away. So those ideas were very prevalent. And that's what everyone always saying. Oh, you're fine the way you are. I wasn't fine the way I was. And I recognized I wasn't fine the way I was. And the reason I wasn't fine the way I was was because I had potential that I wasn't hitting. I had massive amounts of potential that I wasn't hitting. My my being could be something else that I wasn't. And the disparity between where I was and where I knew in my heart of hearts it was possible for me to be was what was creating all of that discomfort. This is where this feeling of inadequacy was coming from. But I was strong enough that it didn't cripple me. I didn't fall to bits over it. I, I, was, <laughs> I actually thought I was kind of ridiculous. I thought, wow, how stupid that I'm not maximizing my potential. I can do these things. So therefore, I started to take those things on board. So I realized, okay, I'm frightened of other males. It's really what it comes down to. The joke is, they were frightened of me. I didn't realize at the, <laughs> at the time, but looking back, I was frightened of them because I viewed them as these sort of alpha things that were bigger, stronger, more popular, more outgoing than I was, more confident. That made me nervous. But they were frightened of me because I was a little psychopath. <laughs> I'd become a little vicious nutcase to overcompensate. So, the whole, the whole thing was a twisted situation anyway. But I recognized that this nervousness had to go. So therefore, I had to make myself into someone that wasn't nervous, wasn't nervous of those people. So I needed to get what? Well, bigger, more efficient at what I did, more confident, um, and get to a point where I didn't feel this way when I was around one of those group of males. And now, every male can do it. Every male can do it. Now, there's an amazing thing in the connection between our mind and our body, which is very, very strong for males. It's very rare that you'll find someone who's very competent, I would say, with a good degree of, what's that word? Coordination, I suppose, for, for want of a better word. It's not very often you find a, a competent male with good coordination, um, physical health, fairly robust in, in their system, who lacks certain mental qualities. They don't tend to be insecure around other people. They've probably got their own anxieties inside their head as well, but they don't tend to have that sort of fear of other males. So it really is that simple. The first thing that I think that young males need to do is they need to get strong. They need to get big and they need to get strong. And I don't mean crazy because this is the problem with people when they can't hear nuance. It's when I've said this to some people before, they've gone mad. Next thing you know, they're <laughs> taking growth hormones and hit the 
gym like crazy and trying to turn themselves into sort of the rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. It's too far. There's no need. Because you're, only, you're not really trying to change your body so much as you're trying to change your mind. Because where do you feel these things? It's in your mind, right? Okay, there's a feedback system in the body, but it's only your, your psychological state. So therefore, you just have to make your body stronger than where you are. That's it. I have to build my strength up. I have to build it up. And it doesn't matter how big I get or how strong or how competent or capable I get. If it's improved from where I was, your mind will also improve as well. Now, I've said this to young males before and they've balked at the idea. They've, they're like, no, I don't agree with that. That's too simplistic. Don't be stupid. That's an old-fashioned view. That's a Chad view or whatever. It works. Ah, you can't say 100% of the time, can you? 90, 95% of the time, it does work. It's not a great secret anymore that exercise makes you feel better. Why? It's not just because of endorphins and chemicals and all those kind of things, because those are temporary, but it's also the more capable and strong and coordinated and powerful that your body feels, the more that does to your mind. The two go hand in hand. We work on the body to work on the mind. So all males need some form of physical exercise. You just do. Especially if you're someone who's thinking, I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with who I am. You do need some kind of physical exercise. Playing video games is not going to do it. So just to make sure we understand, I don't believe you need to make yourself the physically biggest male in your social group or whatever in your town to feel supremely confident, not at all. You just need to gradually work on increasing your body's efficiency and your mind will gradually increase to match as well. And then you'll start to realize when your mind gets better that actually most of your fears are just based on delusions. They're not based on anything in reality. So that to me was a, a major first step. So martial arts for me was how I did that. And I had to understand what part of martial arts was going to, to do that. And everybody has to find within their martial art what is the quality that martial art can give them that's going to help with that state. But all martial arts training should make your body more efficient, make you more coordinated, make you stronger. I don't know why people don't realize that all martial arts should do that, including things like Tai Chi, and that should make you stronger, and give you a more robustness to your body. And the more robust your body, the more robust your mind. So you do need some kind of physical exercise. It doesn't matter how shit you feel, unless it's like clinical and you're on suicide watch with meds and all these kind of things. I don't think most people are there. If you feel shit about yourself, you need to get out and work your body in order to get that side of your being worked on and then your mind will get stronger. Now some people will say, well, well that's not going to deal with traumas. What about all my phobias and my fears and my anxieties and all the terrible things that happened to me and I was raped as a child and I lost a parent to the bubonic plague and nobody loved me and whatever. Like all of these things, terrible things that might have happened to you. Sure, okay, right. But are you going to be better at dealing with those issues when you feel fragile in your mind or your body? Or are you going to be better at dealing with those issues when you feel stronger in your mind and your body? To me, that's a no-brainer. So I'm not saying that we do physical exercise and become better or more capable with our body in order to clear the traumas. Definitely not. The traumas will still be there. You work your body until your mind catches up and gets strong enough so that then you are in a better place to deal with those issues. You will become better at it. So that must be first. Now the next thing we, I needed, 
I keep it personal for me. The next thing I needed was to understand that I didn't really respect anyone else. Not really. I didn't respect anybody else. I certainly didn't respect the opposite sex. I was definitely caught up in that thing that that mindset that the opposite sex were objects. Um, they were something to be enjoyed or something to be conquered or well, that kind of mindset. And this is where I think that there is a major problem with the kind of, <laughs> I feel stupid saying it, the red pilling or the, the, the scene online that young males are getting drawn into is that I think that they're right in some ways because they're saying males need to become stronger and more competent and get to the gym is their way of doing it, martial arts for me or whatever whatever it is you want to do to become capable and competent with your body. They're right by that. That is correct. But then I think too many of them go down the route of saying, and then you'll be able to conquer more bitches, <laughs> which is basically the, the terminology they'd use. And I, and I, I remember the first time I was watching these things online, I was thinking, that's a really good message, but how the fuck did you get to that? Like, what's going on? Not someone like Jordan Peterson, I I think he's far more intelligent than that, but it's definitely the younger males. And I realized it's the younger influencers that are still very much caught up in that mindset that's the problem. And they're wrong because that won't lead, first of all, it won't lead to you feeling satisfied because it'll give you something, I'll talk about in a minute, that males will miss. Okay, there's this key quality they're missing that I think is vital for myself, but I think also vital for most males' development. The other thing that it misses is that it's damaging somebody else. You can't use the opposite sex for just pleasure or as an object or as something that you've conquered because that's massively detrimental to their mental health. That's not good. You can't go damaging people like that. You have a responsibility to be as great a benefit as you can in the world. So the first thing is to understand is as you get more powerful with your body, more powerful with your mind, more confident, that it has to be tempered with decency and kindness and manners. Those things must be there too. One of the things that I think is a major issue for people today, not just younger people, it's people my age as well, is a lack of manners, a lack of courtesy. Now, when I share ideas online, and I'm at the stage where increasingly I don't care, so I share more of these, I suppose, because to me they're just obvious things. But it's funny when you see what annoys people. So obviously there's certain things I say that I, I know will trigger people. When I talk about my view of sexual practices, it will trigger people. If I do a podcast with Adam Meisner, it will trigger, <laughs> it definitely triggers people because I'll, I'll use his views as well seem to go against the grain. But one of the things that surprised me the most was when I put out a post saying that people should have manners or decency, the courtesy, the amount of rage I got, people didn't like that one. And I thought, that's very strange. Why don't people like manners? So when I was looking at it, I was realizing that people were thinking they're just a social construct and they're dishonest, um, that it's kind of two-faced and all these kinds of things. I think those kind of ideas are why many people are suffering and why society is a little bit broken. Because I think that manners are vitally important. If I had a, a kid, a child, and I was to, you know, help it develop as you're supposed to do as a parent, one of the things I would do was instill a high sense of manners um, and courtesy into that child. And I would assume or hope that every parent was doing that for their child, put those manners into place. 
Old-fashioned manners are wise, but old-fashioned manners are far wiser for males than anybody else. And I'll tell you why. I spoke about this a little bit before. Our words have the power to form how we think. We know that, I think. Verbal patterns have the power to change how we see the world, how we act. They construct our mind in certain ways. Um, I think especially during developmental years, that's very important. I think that we can see that in media. We only have to look at how a government during a very difficult time, like during the COVID era, especially the English government, I think America was the same, but I saw in English media a lot, repeated phrases that were structured the way people think. And it's, you know, that, it's, it's just something we can't ignore that language changes the way that we think and the way we act. The more complex grasp we have on, upon a language, I believe the better we're able, the more fluidly we're able to construct thought. The more, for example, you know, I can speak some other languages and to varying degrees, but I can't think to the same level of complexity in those languages <laughs> nowhere near as I can in English because I've just got a better grasp of the English language. So therefore, I'm able to construct thoughts and arguments to a far higher degree. If we take that idea of like words and the way we act and the way we think changing the way that we perceive the world, then obviously manners are going to have a large part to play in who we are. And this is why. Because if you are a male and you start to develop power and you develop strength, you will need something to temper that. So what you will need is manners and courtesy, especially around dealing with people that are weaker than you or with the opposite sex. I think this is why, I think this is where a lot of the confusion or problems in relationships between men and women are coming from, because old-fashioned manners were things like this. You pull out the chair for the woman to sit down at when you're at a dinner table, or you hold open the door for the girl to walk through, the woman to walk through before you, then you go in afterwards, or all of these kind of manners. In extreme cases, if you're at a, a social table and then, and then a woman comes to join the table, you stand up as a sign of respect till she sits down, anything like that. Maybe that one's a bit too much for some people, depending on the setting. Or if, you're, if I'm pouring a drink at a table from a bottle of water and there's several glasses, I always pour the girls' cups first. I always will. I've always maintained those kind of manners. That's how I am. These kind of old chivalry Okay, now I've used that word. The nerds will come in and say, well, actually, 12th century chivalry was something else. Okay, I'm using the word in the more general term before we go down that route. But these kind of old chivalristic chivalry ideas with regards to male manners are very, very important because they form a construct around us where we then start to place importance on putting people that don't have our level of power first. So I mean physical power before women get annoyed and and I'm, they think it's a sort of patriarchal thing. But let's be honest. If I'm sat here with a woman, I'm sat here with a guy, I'm at very little risk physically from that female. I know that. doesn't matter. There's exceptions, of course. I'm sure some of the UFC fighting women would be a handful. But the majority of women you could just pick up and throw away like this without thinking about it. it it's, the strength ratio between me and a woman is, is very, very different. Now, we see this problem a lot with how many women have had bad experiences with males. I think the number is 
ridiculously high or the percentage is very, very high. They've had physical problems, they've had sexual problems, they've had emotional problems. They essentially, most women will tell me to some degree they have felt that they've been abused by males. Now, part of the reason, there's a couple of reasons for this. One of which is that, okay, one of which is because if men develop strength and they don't develop kindness or courtesy or manners at the same time, they don't have a tendency to respect someone that doesn't have that same amount of strength. So look at it this way. If I'm there and somebody is weaker than me, I've got two options. I can either dominate or I can recognize through kindness and courtesy that I have a job to protect. I have a role to protect and to empower and lift that person up. And manners and courtesy, those old-fashioned things, are ways to constantly remind us as males, oh, hang on, I'm supposed to look after this person and not dominate them. Okay, The manners and the courtesy, like holding the door open when a woman comes through or something like that uh, into a cafe or whatever, is not to disempower the woman. It is to disempower the male. That's what it's about. I'm there, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm walking into this place, got a girl with me, all right, I open the door and let them through. I'm reminding myself to place myself under them. I am lower. So it is reminding me constantly to maintain respect and courteousness and kindness with that person that doesn't have my strength. So therefore, as my power builds, my courtesy must go up. So I think that males need, one, competence and strength and capability in their body so that their mind starts to build up. They need exercise and they need to become strong. Secondly, they need old-fashioned manners and courtesy with regards to how they treat people older than them and the opposite gender. Now, the second reason that men can be abusive is because they are weak, the opposite. So not because they are strong and that strength has not been tempered with manners and respect and kindness, but because they feel weak. So consequently, what happens is then when they're in a situation such as an intimate situation where they feel, oh, actually... I'm in a powerful situation for a change, then that side of their, that bitterness will come out and then they'll dominate. So therefore, weak males, weak-willed, weak-minded, physically weak, mentally weak, emotionally weak males will abuse women. So therefore, there is a need for males to develop strength, but it must be tempered or balanced with kindness and courtesy, which I think the first step towards that, I'm not saying it's the whole way, is old-fashioned manners, which I think are very important. And with younger males that train with me, I always try to instill into them the idea that you need old-fashioned manners. Do not mistake the power of a ritual such as pouring a drink for the girl before you, okay, making sure that the women order first or ladies first thing. Do not ignore the power of that ritual to remind you to give space to or empower or to look after or to protect or to lift up somebody that doesn't have your tendency towards strength or your same amount of power, and the way that it causes you to not overbear them, mansplain them or whatever you want to do, it forces you to take note of them. So that's very, very important. So I think males would feel a lot better if they had those old-fashioned manners. The next thing that I needed was I needed to respect myself. And I needed to respect myself with regards to my behavior. This one, some of whom, this one might be a bit out of date. (laughs) Because as I was growing up, things like 
video games and the internet. We always had Pong when I was a kid. Bleep, bleep, the two little light, but it wasn't very exciting. It was like, was it called Pong? It was like a little tenet. It was terrible anyway. But video games kind of started to come around when I was a teenager, really sort of started to get good, I guess, around there. Um, and the internet was only starting to come around when I was kind of in my mid-20s, I think, really. You know, so I didn't grow up with these things. But when they did start to come around, I did realize very early they were very unhealthy. And I didn't like what they did to me as well as other people. I didn't like what they did to me and how sucked in I could become with those things. And I think I always knew that when I was playing a video game, whatever it might be, I'm sure the games will seem horribly old now compared to what people are playing, it wasn't good for me. And I recognize it wasn't good for me. So I would say for males, what they also need to do is recognize that video games are not healthy for you. They're definitely not. They're not healthy for cultivating males, someone, a male that is interested in um, their personal development or martial arts or spirituality. Now, that doesn't mean you can't play them. Because to put it this way, I don't think watching a movie is particularly healthy for you. But at the same time, if you've had a really good day and you've worked well and you've worked your body, done your exercise, it's been a good day, sometimes you just want to rest and relax. And that movie provides escapism. And therefore, you watch it for escapism. But you recognize it's not good for you. It's just, it's okay. Like, it's like a dessert at the end of the day or whatever. Video games should be the same for males. Video games should be the same. So if you're playing a video game, it should be the same length as a film, at the absolute max, one and a half, two hours. Not an entire night binging an online game or a whole day. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's not good for you. That's no better. You wouldn't sit there all day watching movie after movie after movie, I would hope. Video games are the same. Okay, They need to be treated as a little bit of escapism you can do sometimes. Me personally, I just stay away from them. But I think that... It's a different time in a different culture. But I don't think video games are good for males, especially if you feel you are lacking something in your life. If you feel insecure or you have these problems or you feel you're not hitting your maximum potential or your development is not good, your self-growth is not good. I think we all know that sitting there playing AR video games <laughs> is not helping you. You are currently not progressing. So they need to be got rid of. Okay, they need to be got rid of. My sense of pride in myself, and I know pride is like a negative thing to many, but I think actually before you can rise above pride, you need to be proud of yourself before we can get rid of it. <laughs> you need to be proud. Is that I always took a sense of pride in not being sucked into such things and living in this alternate reality. That's very important to me. I know that here, while I'm talking to you on the internet, I'm sucking some of you into spending more time on the internet. I know when I'm writing a post, I'm sucking some of you into writing more, spending my time reading posts or whatever. But I know that if I sit there commenting on things, after a while I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> it's not good. So I have to strike a balance between the technical world and the real world. And I always took a greater sense of, and I still do, a strength, sense of strength or pride for existing in the real world more than existing in the virtual or the technical world. That might sound odd to some people. Maybe like it's a minor thing, but I think it's major. I think that a lot of males are spending too much time on the internet, too much time on video games. I'm aware of the irony of this being on the internet. Too much time sucked into these discussion forums and Reddit and Facebook and blah, blah, sucked into all that, when really what they should do is have some dignity and realize, actually, it's quite nerdy and it's not really good for my development, so I need to step out of it. 
and make sure that my external world, the real world, is working for me as well. I think that's important. It's not good for males to get too sucked into those things. With regards to the things in life that men place importance on, like uh, conquest of lots of women, males will feel better when they have lots of women. I don't think that's healthy. And I think this is my problem with this, with the kind of a lot of the videos that are out there, a lot of the talks given by people. Now, if I think about like when I was younger, because I have a conscience and I have ethics and I have morality and I have a moral code that's very strong for me, that is very, very important, that becomes a compass that I orientate my life towards. If I break that moral code, I feel bad. That's when my conscience kicks in. When I know I'm supposed to be doing this, this is right, and I've done this, which is wrong. It doesn't matter how much I can try to justify that to myself. My conscience nags at me and goes, you shouldn't have been doing that, and it makes me feel bad about myself. So it contributes to negative self-view and negative self-development. So those things need to be got rid of. Now, if I think back into my history, the women when I was younger that I wasn't respectful to or whatever, which I'm not going to lie about my, my history or when there was two girls at the same time, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean a threesome, I mean, but like dating them without telling them about each other or maybe I'd mistreated them or manipulated them or, or things when I was younger. Those kind of things, when I think back about on them, they don't give me a sense of pride. They give me a sense of shame, to want a better word. It's not crippling. I'm not suffering in that way. But if I, if I bring back that, those, the bad things I did, the disrespect I had, or even the bad things I did to other people in non-intimate relationships, the conscience kicks in and I recognize that was not good for me. The sooner that males can recognize this, okay, how much guilt and shame their conscience is going to give to them, unless they're a fucking sociopath, if they deviate from their moral or their ethical code, the easier it will be for them to align with that and make themselves into a stronger and better person, not just for themselves, but for the other people in their lives, for their loved ones, for their intimate partner, for their children, if they have such things at a young age, whatever. Like, you have to make peace with yourself and how you live a life and your moral code. All of these things that you see online about how to talk to women, how to trick women, how to slide into their DMs. Have you heard that phrase? If you're an older person, that sounds ridiculous. That, to me, is shameful. <laughs> I think it's weird that a male thinks it's okay to not go to a woman face-to-face -face and say, look, I'm attracted to you, or whatever they want to do, blah, 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 talk to them. Instead, you, you message them on a fucking Instagram or app or Facebook. It happens in my school. There's the students are messaging each other. They see each other all day in the class, and then they message each other on Instagram to say, oh, I think I'm in love with you, or some fucking stupid shit. Like, that, to me, is just pathetic, for want of a better word, especially as I know <laughs> that they're probably copying and pasting it to everybody. Like, those kind of things, those manipulative, dishonest, backdoor kind of hidden techniques to me just go like just that's all like shameful the kind of things I would be ashamed of if I found myself doing I mean you're messaging this it's like stop it just be upfront with people and be honest with people and this definitely applies to the opposite sex as well don't manipulate the opposite sex 
Don't try to trick them. Don't pretend to be there. Just be honest with them. It's not that difficult. Generally, I find that women will react very well to honesty and they'll react very well to somebody being upfront and respectful and courteous with them, whilst at the same time also showing that woman that there's someone who's at least working towards having competence or strength or success in life or success at what they do. All of those things are a better way to approach the opposite sex, in my opinion, and that was something that I had to learn. And I wish someone had pointed out to me, rather than having the influences that I had, not my parents, and they were very honest with me, but, but friends and peers around me that would influence me into, a, you know, to get what you want from women, you have to trick or manipulate them. If someone had told me or made it clear to me a lot sooner that it's better that I stick to my moral code, my moral compass, I treat people with respect, I'm upfront and I allow my confidence or my competence to be the things that attract that person to me, the better I would feel if I think back about my past. The better I would feel. And the better males will feel because there's a sense of pride in that as well. Now, if you might say, oh, you're out of touch or you don't understand the dating game or anything like that, I do. I understand it. I understand that it's now broken. <laughs> it's immoral and it's unethical and it's debased. It's not good. So I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we know that. How, if you're a male listening to this, would you feel more, what's the word, happy with yourself if you'd spent six months manipulating a girl into a relationship via social media or you'd simply sat down with her and told her exactly how you felt and then dealt with the aftermath from there and then if it was successful, great. If not, well, that's one of life's lessons. Not everybody can find you attractive. That's life. But if you had done the second route and just been telling us, you would feel a lot better about yourself. And I guarantee that woman would have a lot more respect for you as well because your relationship had started on a footing of confidence and upfront honesty. Those are the kind of things that personally I think males should be looking at. Because if you just look at all the things we talked about so far, strength, physical efficiency and coordination, okay, dealing with your body to make the mind stronger, okay, developing manners, courtesy, a strong moral code, an ability to be upfront and respectful with the opposite sex. None of those are particularly strange ideas to me, but I think in, we live in a day and age where those things are becoming demonized. They shouldn't be demonized. If people are saying, no, 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 we've moved away from these ideas, these are old-fashioned, are people happy? I don't think so. And I'm seeing it in a lot of the males that I'm teaching. Now, if we look at who I am and what I teach, I teach martial arts, and I teach, well, let's stick with martial arts. I teach other stuff too. Let's stick with martial arts. Martial arts are a traditional thing. Obviously, I'm going to have slightly traditional ideals because they're going to align with what I do. Martial arts are an old, ancient, traditional thing that are based upon the idea of I make the body as efficiently as functioning as I possibly can while the mind is integrated into it to make me strong and competent. These are combined with philosophy, ethics, and morality and courtesy to turn me into someone who I am happy to be, someone that is moving towards my full potential. Those are all traditional values. Now, the next one that I see being a big problem for people on social media, wealth, money. Uh, look, how much money you need in life, it is a thing. You do need a certain degree of money in life. I do have students that are constantly poor, Friends, actually, a couple of friends, I think, personal friends, who are constantly poor, 
scabbing off of other people and surviving off of handouts and charity and things like this, but then refusing to work and not doing anything to earn money, that's not good for you. That's not good for the other. What will happen if you're that person is, first of all, you'll never have any freedom. You'll always be stuck with whatever you can afford or at a whim or relying on other people's kindness. And secondly, you'll end up alone. Because what will happen is gradually the people that are friends with you will step away from you because they'll realize that you're using them as an ATM, as a cash machine. When you could be going out and doing your own work, they will resent you because they are working for their money and you are not working and using their money or not working and they're moaning about having no money. And then thirdly, you'll end up single because women aren't going to respect you. Not very many. There's not many women who will respect a lazy male who's not going out of his way to better himself and earn some money. So it's not a road to anywhere successful. You will end up alone and unhappy. So that's not a way to live. So you do need some money. But at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, you don't need three Bugattis. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even know what a Bugatti was until not that long ago. And you don't need a private jet. You don't need a mansion in the Bahamas or whatever. You don't need all of these things. All of this crap you're hearing online that you've got to earn three billion a year or like whatever. Like you don't need that. What you need is enough money in order to be free from the stress of not having enough money. That's it. Now obviously that amount will change according to your lifestyle. So what will happen often, you know, is <laughs> you live in a little I don't know, I know myself, I lived in a little poxy one bedroom flat and I had no money. And then you get a little bit more money and you thought, oh I've got some money, I've got some freedom now. So then you get a two bedroom house. Okay, and then you see your lifestyle upgrades and you'll always need a little bit more cash. So you mustn't get sucked into that trap. You must recognize what is a sensible lifestyle for me to do the things I need to do and do I have enough money for that? Now, unfortunately, because life is becoming quite expensive due to, well, it's not again into that, various deliberate machinations in my opinion, it, it does mean that that amount is higher than it used to be. But I think that that's a part of the responsibility, let's leave women alone, for males. And it was certainly a part of my own, was to learn to stand on my own two feet and develop the wealth I needed to be free. So I'm not a rich person, definitely not. But I'm not a poor person either. I'm probably in the middle. And I'm wealthy enough for me. I am wealthy enough for me. So how it works for me is this, I have a certain amount that I like to own financially, that I have in bank accounts or whatever, or in assets. Um, and that number is fixed. In my mind, I know, okay, I need that much. That's, that's what I require. And that number is not based on greed or desire or preference. It's been based very sorry, it's based very practically on at some point I sat down and realized how expensive life was and how much money I needed in order to not be caught up in the stresses of life. And if I have that much money, then I know I'm all right. Anything beyond that amount of money is unnecessary for me. So what will happen is when I get that much money, then I will be more generous. I'll give that money away. It will either go to charity or to projects that I want to set up, or um, I'll just do things for free or help people out, whatever. You know, spend it, have fun. Like, it's okay. It's nothing wrong with that too. But I will never chase the wealth that is beyond that number. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the number is because that number is going to be individual for each of us and it will adjust according to our life, but we must keep it sensible. So do not chase the wealth, is my opinion, and this is different from most of what you hear online, 
do not chase the wealth that is higher than your imaginary pot that you have. So if your imaginary pot, you've decided, okay, this has, let's put a number in it, a real unrealistic number, just for simplicity's sake, 100 pounds. Obviously, you bought that survive. But say my pot has 100 in it. I, once I got 100, I will not chase 101. I will not chase 102. I will not chase 103. I don't need to. That's my pot. That means that I have matched my number I need for freedom. I don't need to make sure, okay, I need to be able to buy in the next suit or the next sports car or the next design. I don't need that. I just need that pot filled. So when I work and I work towards my finances, that's what I'm doing. And I'm making sure that I maintain that error. And sometimes you'll drop under that amount and that's okay. You just work harder and you put it back. But if you go too far over it, you're now becoming greedy. You're now chasing after something that's not really required. So my life is always set up like that. I have an amount, money goes into that amount, life is expensive, so money comes out of that pot, and the circulation should keep that pot at about that same amount. That's it. That's always been my rule for how I live. That number might change, especially if you get a wife or a child or two children or whatever, you know, life gets more expensive. And also over the years, life inflation makes that that pot change a little bit but I think that's a healthier ideal so I think every male should sit down and figure that out because I'm also old-fashioned in believing that the male should provide this one's going to make me unpopular this is probably the most old-fashioned of all of my views if you aren't the provider you should at least have the capability of being the provider because that's a part of our role I really do think so I'm not saying that women shouldn't work or shouldn't have their own money. Of, of course not. Like, definitely not. I think women should do whatever the hell they want to do. <laughs> but I think as a male, if we're honest, we will respect ourselves more, and that's really what it comes down to, if we are able to take on that role of provider, whether it's needed or not. If I look inside myself, I am happier with who I am because I am capable of providing for my loved ones. I know that. If I couldn't do that, I would feel worse about myself. If I had to rely on the income of my partner or rely on the income of family or rely on the income of friends or the trust fund or whatever it is or the inheritance, or if I had to rely on those things, I would not feel so good about myself. If I had to rely on borrowing money from friends, I don't feel good about myself with that. I need to be financially independent, so I work towards that thing. But I'm also not greedy. I'm also very sensible with that amount. If that doesn't resonate with you, fine. Okay, I'm talking from my personal perspective, but I think it's important. When I asked one alchemy teacher a long time ago, a Nadan teacher, not one that was my main teacher, I spent three months with them, not very long. I was with one teacher for three months, three months added together, so not very long. And I was just learning the, the sort of foundations and the basics of um, the practice actually with them. A very nice person. I enjoyed the time with them, but I just, I just found another teacher I, suited me more. But I asked him, you know, look, I really want to get good at this. What do I need? What's my foundation? And I thought he was going to tell me, you know, you need 20 hours doing this. Or that. And then what he said is you need to be financially independent. That was it. And I came away quite surprised. But when I think back to it, it was the best advice ever. I needed to be, but financial independence to me is not so rich you don't have to do anything. Not at all. Financial independence is your independence, to me anyway. 
This is how I interpret it. Independent of the stress that can come from not having enough. So that I have the freedom to do the things that I want to do. And I think all males in the cultivation arts should work towards this. I'm not going to comment on women. Maybe they need to do that too. But I'm talking about males. If you are poor and you are male, you are in a good place. You are in a very, very good place. If you're rich and you're male, you're in an okay place. Because if you're rich and you're young, if you're young, male and rich, you're in an okay position because you have the money, you already have the freedom. But if you're young, male and poor, you I argue you're in a better position because there is a huge amount of development that comes from working, from working, from grinding and grafting to earn that money. Now, I came from a poor background, so what I need, but what I wanted to do was travel around Asia, which I did for years and years and years, studying with people. It doesn't matter what people think of my history. It's amazing how many people online think that I taught myself, learned off YouTube, learned from books or whatever. No, I spent years and years and years traveling around Asia, meeting teachers, and then finally settling on two or three that I really wanted to study with. But I spent a ridiculous amount of money traveling and surviving out there and meeting people and paying tuition fees to teachers, I've probably, I think, got a more extensive training CV than the vast majority of people out there with regards to who I went to see. But then I settled on a few teachers. Now, that process took money, but I didn't have any. So therefore, during that time, I would go to Asia and then I'd come back and I'd work my ass off. I'd work in a steelworks. I worked in a, weirdly, a, a dip factory. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, overnight, you know, uh, you know, what do you call that stuff? Ground up avocados. I can't stand it. And uh, dips with chips and oh, shit like that. Just pulling a lever. And whatever. I did all these mindless, mind-numbing jobs. I worked on building sites. I was a laborer. I did all kinds of crap like that. Things that were really out of my nature, weren't in my interest. The kinds of things that I find that lots of young males who come into these arts won't do. Especially young males who come into Qigong or Tai Chi, they won't do it. It's almost like they view it as like beneath them or just to it. Go and do it. There was huge amounts of development that I came from working. And I think this is where males develop best. When you have to graft and grind and work your ass off to develop something, there's a sense of pride and dignity that comes from the fact that knowing that you earned it through discomfort. That might sound alien to some people listen to, but that's really important. If you didn't earn something, you won't feel good about it. And I see that sometimes with the guys that I know that came from money. There's something lacking in them in some ways because they never really had to work at anything. They have, they have other traits. They're nice. They, they've had less stress and, on that front, so they're more chilled about it, but they've never worked for it. Sometimes the ones that have had to work and graft to earn that thing have a kind of strength in their character that the wealthier ones don't have. So lots of time I will say to young male students, okay, you want to get good at these arts? Okay, good. Get a job at the same time as doing this. <laughs> graft. Set up a business if you want, if that's the way you want to do it, because that can also be a graft. It doesn't have to be physical, but it has to be something you put a lot of time and effort and energy into that you earned and you built. Males do well when they shoulder responsibility, and that responsibility is on them. They're good at that, or it's good for them. Okay? And that's what we need to take on board. So, so far, what do males need? Strength, competence, know how to use their body. An uncoordinated, unrobust male is always going to suffer mentally. Two, manners, courtesy, ethics, morality, chivalrous code, decency, 
towards the opposite gender. Honesty in their dealings, non-manipulation in what they're doing. Don't spend too much time on the virtual world, video games, anime cartoons. What are you doing? Get away from those escapism. You can have some escapism when you've built yourself up. Okay, you must get the balance right. What was the other ones? I've forgotten. Wealth. Don't be greedy, but also you must make yourself, you must earn the money to feel happy with yourself. Fill that pot up. Don't chase greedy things. Don't chase the lifestyle of rap stars and idiot social media influencers, but do make sure that you're competent and you're confident in what you do and you have the money and the freedom in order to support that lifestyle without too much stress. This one's going to sound strange. This was from my own realizations about myself when I was growing up. The job of a male is to die for a female. That's how I view it. Or a child, or an older person, I suppose. Someone that is not as strong as them. That's the job of a male. So what do I mean by that? Say I'm out with my partner, okay, or, or my mum, or, or a friend's kid, or something like that, whatever. And it's just the two of us out, and then something happens. Maybe we're attacked. Maybe we're mugged. Maybe uh, there's a psychopath. Maybe there's a terrorist attack. Maybe it's not even a person. Maybe it's a burning building they're stuck in. Okay, The role of the male is to die or to put their life at risk for the other person there. To me, that's a no-brainer. But I said it once on a course, and it actually upset a lot of people. Put it this way. Look, it doesn't have to be my girlfriend. It doesn't have to be my wife. It doesn't have to be my mother. If I'm walking with a girl, it doesn't matter what the relationship is. She could be a stranger. If we happen to be in the same vicinity, and there is a situation where that woman is at risk, in my opinion, it's my job to die for that woman. That's my role. If, so she can escape. Ideally, I don't. You know, Ideally, I survive. <laughs> we both survive. But that would be my role. If there's a burning building or a drowning child, I put my life at risk to deal with that situation. That, to me, is the expectation that all males should have upon them. But in society, we don't put that on males anymore. So therefore, we should put it upon ourselves. So we need to honestly ask ourselves as males, in my opinion, could I do that? When I was younger, the answer is no. I might have thought I could, but actually I think the fear would have crippled me. I think the fear would have crippled me. I think I'd have froze and panicked and when no one's not looking, I'd have escaped. Or like, I think that makes me sound like a real prick. And it's true, I was a prick. But I think if you look inside, I think a lot of men will find that they have the same answer, even if they mask it, even if they hide it. I'm not asking you to say it out loud. Ask yourself. Ask yourself inside, honestly, would I be that person? So I recognize this, and I recognize that there was a big insecurity in me. I'm not able to fulfill that role. I'm not brave enough. I'm not courageous enough. I'm too attached to life. I'm too self-centered to have that sort of deep, protective part of my nature. So I had to find it, and I did find it. And now I can safely say I would fulfill that role easily, happily, not just for a loved one, but for a stranger. Okay. Now, I've seen this come up on social media. I've seen some of these influencers talk about it. And I've literally heard them say, and you can find it on YouTube, my job is to put myself at risk for my partner. And I will quote them, but 
If that bitch ain't sucking my dick, I'm not dying for her. Now, I know that's out of character for me to use terms like that, but that's quotes what they'll say. This is a direct quote from a social media influencer that young males are looking up to. He's saying, the social media influencer is saying, that he would not die for a stranger or not die for a woman that wasn't giving him sexual favors. And when I heard that, I realized how twisted the male mind has become. How twisted. If people think that is okay to say or okay to be like that, that is not right. A male that is confident and competent in themselves, in my opinion, should be prepared to put their life in danger for any stranger that they deem as weaker or smaller than themselves. It doesn't necessarily mean for a stronger male, but you would assist that male. I still would. I'll be honest, I'm a little chauvinist. I wouldn't necessarily die for another guy if I felt that he was strong and capable and competent in himself. But somebody I perceived as not having my strength or my competence, like a, a female who feminists might be angry, but they're not as strong. You're not as strong. You're more at risk. A child, an elderly person, a disabled person, a person who's sick, someone who's at risk. I would hate myself. I would loathe myself if in that situation I didn't immediately, with full abandon, put myself at risk in order to protect them. Now, realistically, the chances of that happening to most of us are very, very slim. It's not very likely. But it's all about how you feel inside yourself and your own confidence and your own competence. And I believe that if you make yourself into the person that could be capable of doing that, you will feel a whole lot better about yourself. Look how many people obsess over superhero movies. I mean, they're fucking shit, but people love them. I mean, the, the, the plot is created by a 10-year-old. But that's how stupid people are. They discuss the complexities of Wonder Woman. Some shit like this. But people love superhero films, and they love a heroic character or someone who sacrifices himself. Why do people like these archetypes in media? Because they recognize that's an important trait to be prepared to lay your life down for somebody else. And when you know you're in that position and you have that sense inside yourself, you almost become your own hero, for want of a better term. I know that sounds terrible. You will feel better about yourself. I think as males, we need to turn ourselves into that person. Then you will feel good. You will feel better about who you are. What use is a male, a young, strong male, that runs at the sign of danger, leaving other people to face that risk. Nothing. No good at all. People might say it's unfair that I'm saying males have that role. Well, that's your lot in life. Women have their own unfairnesses. I'm sure women will tell you about all the injustices they face in life compared to males. This is the injustice of males. If there is a war, we go off and fight and die. If there's a risk, we take that risk. This is where martial arts training comes in, right? But it must be done properly. Doing wushu forms in a cosplay outfit is not going to do it. It's not. You have to train hard. You have to train rigorously. You have to train with sweat and bruises. That is a part of the martial arts training. To build all of those things into you and your system or your teacher, and if they're not providing those things, you must do it yourself, must also come with philosophy and ethics and morality and a spiritual code that you adhere to in a fanatical and obsessive fashion. That's really important. That's how you forge yourself. What is the point of martial arts with no code? None. What's the point of martial arts with no morality? None. 
What's the point of martial arts with no pressure testing? None. Not really. Not in the grand scheme of self-development. Maybe for health or fun or uh, artistic purposes, maybe, but not for self-development, not for males. So this brings us, or the final part then, because this is most relevant to who I teach, really. Spiritual progression. Seeing through the illusion of mind, or union with soul and spirit, or whatever it is, you know, whatever, like, you know, escaping samsara, snuffing out the candle, and disappearing to the immortal realm, enlightenment. None of those things are going to be possible, even vaguely possible. I would say a snowball's hope in hell, while you don't have confidence in the self. Now, I've said this, and, and people have written to me and said, no, but it's not about the self. It's not about the self. It's not about the body. It's not about the mind. No, but it comes back to that rule is you can't rise above what you can't do. You can't. You can't truly be anti-violence in a purely, um, what do you call it, pacifistic way until you're comfortable with violence, because otherwise there's a chance that you're anti-violence because you're frightened of it, which is a different thing. It's not acceptance and going, okay, I've made a rational decision. I want this out of my life. You can't rise above what you can't do. It's the same with, I want to see through the illusion of self and escape it and, and identify with spirit. You can't until your self is confident and competent. There's that story that uh, actually me and Adam were talking about in one of the previous episodes, a couple of episodes ago, wasn't it, or something. The one that upset people because we were drinking and smoking because it was Christmas. You know, everyone's there like, drinking their coffees, look at those guys smoking a cigar while they drink 10 coffees. You know, they can't see the difference between it. But it was a Christmas, it was a cigar, whatever. But we were talking about that story of Buddha when he's born and the mystic comes to see him and gives a prediction that he'll be the greatest king that the world has ever known or he'll be one of the greatest spiritual leaders. And what did he become? The spiritual leader, not the king. Obviously, he went down that route, he became Buddha. Now, what it was implying was that he had the personal strengths to achieve either. You can't, there are transferable skills. The competence somebody would need to lead the world and become a great and altruistic king, not that we have many of them in the world, but you know what I mean, but if those qualities that you should have are the same things transferred over to spiritual practice, you can't be a weak and useless, incompetent person, unhappy with yourself, damaged, manipulative, sat there watching anime, playing video games and texting girls in the hope that one of the hundred you texted will take pity on you or fall for your lies and date your sorry ass. You can't be that person sat in your mum's basement, I'll stop being cruel now, and then expect to become enlightened. No, it's not going to happen. You can't rise above what you can't do. And the self and your being and your vehicle and your confidence and your competence must be built up enough that they didn't become irrelevant enough for you to step away from. Because remember, aversion to the self is no different than attraction to the self with regards to spiritual practice. So this is my view on it, which <laughs> it's meant to be more personal than it was, but it is based upon my own experience. And I do feel that I can talk about this at 42, 43 this year, I think. I think. Yeah, I do feel I can talk about this a, a little bit. And I do think, because I have overcome some of those things. I don't know why people don't like to hear that. They're like, he's lying, he's got traumas. I don't feel particularly traumatized. I do feel like I've overcome lots of those things. There's things in life that annoy me, for sure. But 
I don't live in that same insecure place. I am fairly competent at what I do. I'm fairly knowledgeable at what I do. My life is okay. My finances are sorted. My my with myself, I'm okay. My self confidence. I'm not ashamed. I don't live in torture from my conscience, and I don't hate myself. I don't have any of those feelings. But it took work for me to get here. I am happy when I put my mind inside. Me, I'm happy with my my mind is resting because I live to a code and it took me a while to get there. So I do feel I can talk about these things and I do feel it's important and I know that a lot of the young males are crying out for this kind of thing because they're looking for guidance in this way. But often because they're looking for a father figure, they go back to what I was saying at the beginning of this overly long rambling episode about not being able to step into nuance and getting caught up in this either a follower or a resenting hater and, and caught in this polarized view that's not doing them any good or being sucked off, sucked off down roots that are not good for them, like the misogyny towards the opposite sex. It's no good. It's no good. There must be strength, competence and kindness all arising together as well as a respect for every other human being that you're dealing with and recognizing that they have thoughts, hopes, feelings and intelligence themselves. We're all trying to live in this world together and you must understand that process. You must be happy with who you are. You must be strong, competent, protective and capable. But you also must recognize that you can't tread on anyone else to do that because it's not your right. Because everybody's soul, for want of a better word, is also going through their own journey as well. I personally think martial arts are a good route for that, but only if they're trained with the right mindset. I mean, many people who've gone through the martial arts process come out the other end bitter, twisted, paranoid, something like that. I mean, an adult martial artist who sits there writing hateful messages online, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's stupid. It's... I mean, the idea of writing something mean to someone I don't know seems strange to me. I've reacted. When people have written something mean to me, I've written back, you fucking idiot, fuck off, whatever. Okay, I've done that. Even that's not good. But I've reacted to them. But never in my never, never have I just gone on <laughs> unprovoked onto somebody else's thing, onto their video, onto their page, onto their thing, and just gone, I hate you. I've just not done it. And the reason I don't feel the need to do it is because I'm not a prick. <laughs> That's it. And the reason I'm not a prick is because I'm not ashamed of myself on the inside. And I'm not living with the self-loathing that many people are. And I think that that should be a major part of our cultivation is to come through this process. Come out the other side a better person, hopefully. So, apologies for this long talk, and sorry that it was aimed at kind of niche, niche group, but this is my advice for young males, to feel good about themselves, and also to be better at the arts, ultimately, because if you're not happy with yourself, you'll not be good at the arts. You just want to kind of go hand in hand. Apologies for not talking about women or their needs or whatever, but I'm a male, and sorry if I'm old fashioned. I was born in 1980, so I guess time's flying by. Some of you older than me, We'll be looking at this. Some of you in your 70s and stuff, they mess it. You're just a young whippersnapper. Yeah, I'm talking down towards the people that are younger than me for this episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs>